So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. All right. I've noticed the last few weeks I, I come at you with pace. There's a certain pace that you should start a conversation with. And I, I think if I'm being honest, the conversation starter that I've, I've used the last couple of weeks is it sounded like before I hit record, I've done a line of cocaine, which is longer than it should be. I wouldn't know the, uh, the, the appropriate length of line of cocaine. I guess it has to do with the quality, um, the strength, I guess your ability to be able to uh, hold that in your system. But the truth is, I'm, I'm into my health. I'm not into these artificial stimulants to, to, to get me the, uh, the energy. I'm more into a natural diet. I'm more into a health and fitness kind of approach to life. Uh, uh, you know, try and stay away from the refined foods and try and eat, uh, try and eat your, a good range of fruits, a good range of veggies. Get your sleep, get your recovery, get your exercise. Do all the, do all the simple things. You know what I mean? Like as easy as the line of cocaine would be to give you the energy to get through your day, I think long term, it, it wears out the middle of your sinuses, doesn't it? Like what's that cartilage through the middle of your nose? I'm pretty sure my uncle who, who passed away a few years ago now, and cocaine wouldn't have helped his cause, uh, he had he had the wobbliest nose you would ever see because I think cocaine to him was like coffee to me. It was just, it was how you started your day. And it was, uh, it was how you got yourself up and about to do things when you really couldn't be bothered doing them. So I don't know. It's not my personal approach. I've got a lot of friends whose approach it is, and that's that's fine with me. Um, but I just I shouldn't be giving you this false impression that I've just done a line which is longer than it should be to get the energy for this, this podcast. So uh, I've, I hope you've appreciated the start. I've slowed down deliberately. I've taken a breath. I've, um, I've still fit quite a lot of information into that opening block, though, haven't I? I feel like we're going to still have a little bit to work on next week. <laughs> but um, that's just what it is. It's an improvement process. You've got to refine this thing. And, uh, and so here we are. You get to witness the, you get to witness the refinement. I'm not sure how much refinement's happening. I'm not sure that there's really a great deal of um, improvement taking place here. <laughs> but it'd be hard to give yourself the motivation to, to get back each week if you didn't believe you were getting better, wouldn't it? Anyway, you guys have been nice. You sent some nice messages through, which is, uh, which is something I appreciate. Because I tell you, I do this for myself. But the truth is, if no one listened, I would stop doing this. And um, it would be really hard for my e- my wife would love it because this time every week I say, hey babe, I got to talk to my people, I got to speak to my people. It's time you, you're going to have to take yourself and uh, our 18 month old out of the house for for an hour or so. And each week it's met with, sweetie, like this is I, I tell you every week that Monday's not the best day. Would you would you please be able to do it on Tuesday? I say, oh, but babe, I've got the I got the studio set up. Do you know what I mean? The people are hanging for it, aren't you? <laughs> you guys are one, right? I could do it on Tuesday. I was probably being difficult. I had my mind, you know, when you get your mind too stuck on an idea, you get yourself too stuck on, all right, this is the way it is. And then someone comes up with an alternative, like, oh, you could do it this way. And depending on what it is, the aggression levels get. Maybe it's not depending on what it is. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just my, um, maybe I need to do a little bit more work with my ability to maintain my, my difficult emotions. Because my poor wife, I tell you, we've celebrated 10 year anniversary of marriage just the other day, and she's done a sensational job. She's a she's a very patient woman. I'm gonna I'm gonna give her that. Um, I wish she could listen to this. I'm just gonna have to tell her. She's a pa- she knows she's patient. <laughs> the re- she knows she's patient because every time, like I try and I try and promote this idea that hey babe, you've you've done so well for yourself. You know what I mean? Like I'm like a fine wine. Can't you see? Hey, look at me at 18. Aren't I better looking now at 34? Imagine me at 50, babe. 
Imagine me at sixty. Like there's gonna be a there's gonna be a point of diminishing return, but but fifty or sixty, there's a couple of good looking units out there. Not so much women though, yeah? I think women don't age as well as men for whatever reason. Or there's there's something in a woman, I think, that appreciates like a, a classy looking old man. Whereas a man looks at an old woman and just goes, ugh. <laughs> That's horrible. No see, it's people like me. It's it's um it's sort of comments like that. That, that make men in our culture hated. Um, so I'd like to apologise to both the men and the women, fellas. I, I didn't mean to, you know, continue to categorise, or continue to sort of inflame that stereotype that we just operate at surface level. And, and women, I'm sorry. Though you might not look as good at 60 as what you do at 20, you know, if you work at it, your personality might be better than it was. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's We've all got things to work on. We've all got things to work on. And it's that, that little comment just came out of me trying to justify, um, you know, why I think I'm going to be better looking at, at 60 than I am now. I don't even know if there's any truth to it. But but we're 10 years in, 10 years of marriage. It's gone. It's yeah, I guess it's gone quick. I don't know. It's weird. As you get older, time does seem to go a little bit quicker. Though. I remember when I was 10. And that first 10 years didn't go quick. That first 10 years was just like, okay, it's that first 10 years. It's all relative, isn't it? I would look at myself when I was 10 years old. I'd look back to me as a two-year-old and be like, oh, that was such a long time ago. But eight years ago now, it was 2013. Um, what was I there? 26. That's not that young. I was already out on dance floors. I, I make myself sound like I was out on dance floors. I wasn't really. I was a middle distance runner. I was probably, I was getting an early night because I had a race the next day that I had to perform at and... Um, uh, but, but that doesn't sound as impressive, does it? Like I always much rather, I, I, I'd like to be honest with you guys, but I'd much rather uh, be able to create a, like a false image of what I was when I was 26 because the reality was I was I was skinny. My ribs were coming through my, my skin. I was in bed early because I had a training session in the morning. I was very skinny. It wasn't an attractive look, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's so much nicer just to throw out a comment like, uh, I was on dance floors at, at 26. Anyway, it's uh, it's funny. I've, I'm I'm seven minutes into this conversation with you, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the pace at which we're operating is is I don't know. It's probably times two. I reckon next week I'm just going to take a, a little bit of a breather. Maybe I need to meditate before I start. I get excited once I hit record on this camera. It's go time. It's time to party. Do you know? I, I I sort of feel like you guys are in the room with me a little bit, but I just can't gauge your responses. So I'm not sure if you're liking what I'm saying or if you dislike it. This is episode 13 or 14 right now. So uh, if you're still here, man, you've you, there's something going on. Did you see I mixed it up the other day? I told you I would. I had Alex Pang. On the podcast, who was a uh, who was an awesome guest? Alex Pang is a gun. I, I read his book the other day because I'm fascinated by this idea of just the the impact or the power of of implementing rest into our day to day life. Because if you're anything like me, it's so easy, isn't it? I, I'm I'm the king of just uh, putting more and more and more on my to do list, and then just diminishing the quality of it. Like the more I add to it, the less the less quality there seems to be. And I I listen to this bloke, Alex. I don't know his middle name. It's like Kim Jong Sun. Uh, Kim Jong Sung Pang, it, it, he goes by Alex Pang. I shouldn't even try and get the whole name because I'm just embarrassing myself and making myself look culturally irrelevant. Uh, I guess I, that sounds Chinese though, doesn't it? I guess if it is Chinese, I am culturally irrelevant. I'm a 34 year old bloke from uh, I live at the water in Australia here in Melbourne, so I, I don't need to be relevant. I guess to to a Chinese audience, I'm not sure how many Chinese listeners there are here, but um, but forgive me for my ignorance if you are. 
But Alex Payne, he was a gun. He was a, it was a really good conversation. I've got to try and get my knack back a little bit because conversations, uh, once you've been doing this kind of thing in front of a camera, you get into a little bit of a role. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good. But there's always like a slight, there's something slightly off when you're doing it via via the computer. It's nicer to have someone in your room. But he's in Silicon Valley in uh, in the States. So it's obviously, it's our only option. But it was a cool conversation. He's a really interesting guy. I um, I cut it too short though. I, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Let me know what you thought. But it was fun. It was fun. So there we go. That was one. I'm going to try and do maybe one a week or, or one a fortnight like that. So there we go. Two podcasts coming out on pop culture each week. If you haven't read his book yet, go check it out, Rest by Alex Pang. I'm pretty sure it was a bestseller, uh, like maybe maybe the New York Times uh, list. I'm not sure of the significance of that. I know you can manipulate your way into that, but I think he legitimately made it onto that list just through selling a lot of books. And he doesn't have a crazy audience that he can just manipulate into going to watch it uh, just so he, he, he can get on that list. I know there's a lot of people who do that. Pretty sure Lewis Howes did that, which is, I've got nothing against if that's a, if I had the capability to, to you know, get myself onto a, a bestseller list just by reaching out, manipulating, throwing out prizes to my audience, I'd probably do it as well. That's a, that's the kind of guy I am. But um, I know it's uh, it's funny when you say that you made a particular list because I, is it better for is it better for the person who's on the list or better for the people whose list it is? So the idea of getting on the New York Times bestseller list, I mean, it makes the New York Times sound more legitimate as well, doesn't it? Because if you're on their list, and that's the most highly regarded list when it comes to book sales, then I guess that looks good for them as well. But the flip side of that is, if you can say, hey, I'm on the New York Times bestseller list, well, credit to you. It's a win-win, really. It's a win-win. Unless the unless the credibility of these organizations drop any lower, there has to be a time in which in which if these if these organisations just keep po- posting bullshit on their podcast or sorry uh, that's uh, clearly I was I was thinking about <laughs> my own podcast there if they keep talking shit on their podcast wow that was a Freudian slip if I ever saw one uh, if they keep posting just misinformation or disinformation across all of their platforms surely there comes a time where people goes eh, is that really the best book because what they said about those protests was completely wrong so surely what they're saying about this this book isn't quite right. I don't know. That's just me. But yeah, it was a really interesting po- uh, uh, conversation. It was a little bit too short. I could have gone a bit longer with the guy, but um, hey, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. He, the people like that, taking a little opportunity just to sit back and go, all right, like, what am I filling my life with? Is I think it's helpful because like the easiest thing to do is just add more and more to your list, isn't it? You can just keep doing more and more and more and more, and then all of a sudden um, you've just got too much uh, on and not enough time for the things you really care about. So I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, babe, we'll hang out tonight, and then it gets to four o'clock. It's so easy for me to go, oh, but I've just got to edit this and adjust that, and you know, I don't know. It, it, Considering considering I've got eight YouTube views for this podcast at the moment, it seems like there's a lot of work going into it. Uh, <laughs> it seems like the rewards um, probably don't justify the efforts. But that's not me complaining. That's just me, uh, uh, you know, paving that foundation to a Rocky story. No one thought Rocky was going to win either, did they? Hey, but everyone loves a Rocky story once it's written. It's just those, it's just those parts of the journey where you get eight views on the podcast that takes you a few hours to edit. That um, you know, that's the <laughs> that's the part where the strength happens, isn't it? I could be just trying to justify it to myself. I definitely am trying to justify it to myself. But um, it's actually funny. The other day, I went down to comedy and I uh, I bumped into a bloke I do comedy with. He pulled me aside. He goes, "Hey, Tice," and uh, I don't know why I said it like that. He's an Australian guy. Actually, he's Lebanese. I think he's actually Lebanese, but he doesn't speak like I just made him sound. I made him sound probably probably a little more gangster than he is. He's um. Uh, 
you know, by culture, I think Lebanese have a reputation for being gangster. But if you saw this guy, he's a he's a great he's a great a great man. At him, I like. He pulled me aside. He goes, "Hey, Tice, make your podcast shorter, bro. Make it shorter. What are you doing?" I'm legit. I'm not. I'm not hyping this up for uh, for the purpose of a story. He goes, well, 10 minutes is heaps, bro. What are you doing an hour for, man? No one's listening to you." Okay, bro, are you looking at YouTube comments? Because you can't see my analytics. Actually, the audio is quite impressive, but the YouTube one, it takes a bit of work. It goes, oh, I don't care, bro. I don't care, man. Like, you got you got to shorten it. Do 10 minutes every day. No one wants to hear an hour of your story. I thought, really? I thought, I thought people were really enjoying it. He goes, bro, it's a bit, it's a bit long, man. It's, it's a bit shit. I go, wait, <laughs> how much are you listening to? What point does it get shit? He goes, I can't do it, bro. I get five minutes in, I'm bored. I go, wait, <laughs> hang on a second. Wait, so wait, you just told me to do 10 minutes. The five minutes is still only half of that episode. What do you, what do you, are you giving me false information? Because I'm really having trouble trying to navigate this situation. So there's a confronting, it's, I'm not great. I, I find it interesting when people confront me about certain issues as well, because for whatever reason, I'm still, I'm still nervous that what I'm going to say back to them is going to offend them. So I don't want to be that guy who, like, he's trying to offer me helpful advice. He, hey, yeah, bro, do 10 minutes, an hour is too long. I go, hey, you reckon? I have a bit of fun with him, a bit of banter. In my head, I go, hey, I'm just having fun. I'm just flirting with ideas. I'm fleshing things out. Yeah, I'm sure there is a whole heap of, maybe after five minutes, the quality does drop. But it's an interesting conversation to have because I don't want to say, bro, I don't care about your dumb opinion because he's a nice guy. I like him. I like hanging out with him. He's a uh, funny guy too, funny comedian. He makes me laugh. But... Um, but I just—I thought that was a—it was an interesting conversation. So I—I got to try and get better with that—with that disagreeableness. I think Jordan Peterson calls it. Be, he talks about being disagreeable. I look at my wife in some conversations, and someone will ask her a question. She goes, "No, no, that's not right. This is what I mean." I go, "Oh my god, like that was brutal." But it's helpful. It just cuts through the fat. Whereas I sit there going, "What? No, you're almost there, bro. Like, like you're really starting to understand what it is that uh, what it is that we need to do." Uh, but let me. There's, and I'm trying to I'm trying to sugarcoat the fact that he was wrong. Do you know? Not Adam. Adam might be right. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying in general day-to-day life, uh, it's very easy to sugarcoat a situation when you can just be straight to the point. I've always respected that. I like that about people who can just be straight up. Hey, tell me exactly what you think, and and if I want to take that on board, I can. But don't don't sugarcoat it. Stop telling me. Anyway, maybe that's what I that's what I was attracted to with my wife. Our story of getting together was in, it was a little bit like that as well. I'm not sure if I've told you before, but when we first got together, I told her I told her I liked her in a roundabout way, as I just explained to you in the uh, in the intro to this story. And she told me in a very direct way she wasn't interested in uh, in being with. She actually said, "I'm not interested in dating you till I'm interested in marrying you." She didn't say you. She just said, "I don't want to date until I meet a person I think I could marry, and you're not it." I was like. <laughs> okay, thanks for the feedback. That's brutal. I remember I was having an ice bath that night because I got back from um, a, a training session as a middle distance runner. I just remember thinking far out, like how appropriate is it that I'm sitting in this pool of ice um, after that ice cold feedback? It was. Uh, I'm not sure that the ice was as cold as the feedback I received. In those situations, I think it could be an element of our life where you know maybe tune it down just a little bit. Maybe just give me a little bit of hope just there. Don't just throw. Don't just kick me in the guts and and just leave me to figure it out for myself because eventually I'm going to get you I'm going to call your mum I'm going to organize weekly dates and then before you know it six months in you'll be saying hey Poppy I really want to go out with you again do you know she didn't say it like that but essentially you know if you if you wanted to manipulate what happened in the story that's what you could say I guess manipulating a story could make it whatever you want but anyway 10 years of marriage um, so I win is, a, <laughs> is essentially what I'm saying it's all good hey you be tough 
You be tough chick, you know what I mean? I'll sugarcoat it, and then eventually, hey, old sugarcoat man will get his way. He'll, he'll get the victory, don't worry about that. I say that with a little bit of humility because it's not a 100% success rate. Sometimes I, uh, sometimes I don't get what I want at all. And um, after 10, minute, 10 years of marriage, you find that out very quickly. You know, you both get into bed nice and early. You think, oh, I'm a chance here. You try and make your first move. You go, no, no, don't even think about it. I'm trying to read my book. I go, sweet, but you're so hot the way you turn that page. <laughs> oh, I love how you did that. She's like, sweetie, just just stop. Like, I, I'm, I'm still quite angry at you about the fact you didn't wash the dishes. I go, baby, I can help you forget it. She goes, don't say that. You know, honestly, half the time, half the time I don't forget it anyway. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm putting on a good face for you, but... That's really that's quite hurtful. What did I just tell you about? What did I just tell you about? Just you know, diluting the feedback a little bit. This is really bad for my self esteem. But um, you're gonna get that with ten years of marriage. Sometimes at at nine thirty at night, I find ourselves sitting next to each other reading a book. I thought, ah, no, this isn't what I anticipated. <laughs> when you're in those early stages of dating, I mean, you don't anticipate. You forget about the fact that a healthy relationship is gonna have those evenings where you're sitting in bed at night reading a book not talking to each other, and then the most action that happens is the book closes or she shares a thought from a paragraph and you go, oh, wow, baby, I love, I love, I, I'm, you know, I'm quite sexually driven in those in those regards sometimes. The thing is, because they don't, they don't sleep in much sometimes either. And I think, I think the way men's, the way men are wired a little bit, like we're very visual creatures, aren't we? So if I go in there, you know, he's got a hair, hair slicked back, she, she never has her hair slicked back. Hair in a little ponytail, you know. I, I, I think the problem is, I think the problem is, just every time I go into the bedroom, I think I'm a chance. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Every time I go in there, I go, oh, my brain just clicks into gear and go, oh, you know what happens in here sometimes? I go, come on, man. Like once a month isn't sometimes. That's it's quite infrequent. <laughs> yeah, but you, you just can't give up on the dream, can you? Anyway, and there's so many good books out there, so maybe I maybe I should just lean into that and just enjoy those just enjoy those books a little bit more because um, you know I, I think the consistency with which I read is more consistent with than than the amount that my um, that my hard work and groundwork really pays off with with my wife but she's a good wife she's a great wife I can't complain anyway I write notes I write notes on what I want to speak to you about at the moment I have not touched one dot point <laughs> because, because all these little hashtags come up in my mind um, it's like each thought sparks another thought and so uh, we get 20 minutes into a podcast and I realize well okay I probably should speak to speak to these guys about what I wanted to speak about but yeah, 10 years the other day my wife, I struggle with gifts as well I struggle a little bit with gifts because like look at this is legit I'm going to show you this. This here is a is a, a ten year anniversary card I bought for my wife the other day. I this is not me bragging because there's nothing to brag about here. Look at this, a beautiful. It's got a little little sunset on the front. The front. I thought this was quite nice. I, I had full intention of coming home and writing a beautiful note in this. Our anniversary was last Friday, and the the moment got the better. Maybe I'm lazy. Maybe I'm because I know how much a card means to her. I know that she loves a card and you know loves to hear some thoughts. But then the other day she didn't get me a card, so I thought, oh, maybe we're not doing cards this year. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe we're we're, we're just going to tell each other how we feel. Maybe maybe we're past cards for the time being. Maybe we'll do something else. And then I don't know. I, so I got a spare card there, but I've got to lift my game because it's happened too many times now where I've I've bought the card and I just haven't done the writing. And then the anniversary comes and goes, or the birthday comes and goes. And then inevitably, six months later, we have the conversation which goes, oh man, I really wish, 
you know, I'd really just like it if you could maybe think about me a little bit more, um, you know, buy me a... She says this in a beautiful way. This is one area she's actually quite tame with the way she addresses me about the things that are frustrating her. Uh, and, and there's plenty of them because, I mean, she lives with, she lives with a man with, a, with, with a, you know, there's a few flaws going on. There's a couple of flaws that need to be adjusted and improved. But that's, uh, that's life, isn't it? We've all got flaws, don't we? I hope so, because I, I tell you, I always tell her, I go, babe, you, you got yourself a winner here. And then we have a friend over for a couple of days, or my mum comes and stays for a couple of days. And she goes, just how do you handle this? Like, on, in all sincerity, how do you deal with, with this guy? I go, mum, the way you asked that question was quite hurtful. She goes, you know, I wasn't, I was talking to your wife. It's quite heroic. Okay, okay, that's all right. My mum's allowed to be on. But then Jessie's mum comes down. She says to say, how, how do you put up with this? I go, hang on a second. Hang on. Is there really something here that needs to be addressed? Because uh, because the the, gay, the the vibe that I'm getting is it's quite consistently Jessie who's being rewarded for her brave behaviour and uh, her incredible commitment to be able to just, you know, see out the highs and lows of our relationship. But I tell you, if you saw our back lawn today, you might go, hang on a sec, Toss is a good husband because I mowed it on the lower setting it's, uh, I even went around the outside and, and removed some, not the whole lot of weeds. We've got a big backyard. There's a lot of weeds there at the moment. But, I mean, there's a few. There's a few. And I've removed a couple. So I'm, I'm doing my part. But I, I need to commit a little bit more to, to you know, writing in these cards. Because here's the thing. I got home the other day. Or she got home the other day. And she walked in the door with a smile on her face that said, uh, that yeah, you know that look where you can just tell that someone's up to something? I saw it. I thought, okay, well, she's up to something. There's clearly something going on here. There's there's something sneaky which has just happened. And and as a result, I, I went out the back because that's the way that she had just walked in. And I thought, okay, there's something out here that I've missed. Anyway, what happened? I walked around the deck where she'd just walked from, holding that like really guilty suspect face that she had. And I went around the side of our deck where it's got a little bit of cover, some protection from the rain. And I saw she had, she had hidden a wedding anniversary present there for me. Uh, with a with a John Foreman quote on the back, it said, uh, I th- I th- "Yeah, you don't need to hear that. It's quite it's a little bit corny in the context of this podcast, but it was beautiful. It was a beautiful message, uh, but it's enough to make you vomit if you're not a part of the relationship." So, um, but it was written on the back of a painting. She goes to me. She goes, "Babe, I've been working five weeks. Haven't you noticed that each Thursday I go to my friend's house and uh, uh, coincidentally at the same time every week?" I said, well, "Sweetie, honestly, I." I like I, I, I don't really keep a, like a tight timetable on, on what, what it is that you're doing during the week, but I did know that you were going out, but I thought you were just hanging out with friends. She goes, sweetie, yeah, for, for five weeks, a couple of hours a day, I've been working on this painting. You know, I just want you to know that uh, I paint this with like all the love in my heart and thinking about you as I paint, I go, oh my God, I should have written in that card. <laughs> She's done this like, this awesome, I uh, wish I should put it up behind here. She's into abstract painting. She's just got into it. So, hey, but, uh, credit to me. I knew she was into abstract painting because despite not writing on this card for her, one thing I did do was I got her... So the, the paint scene is something that she's relatively new to. She's a good artist, like if she practices, but she hasn't done a whole heap of it since we've been uh, since we've been married. It's That's not supposed to sound like because I've stopped her. It's just coincidentally, um, her priorities have changed. She's been focused on work. But now she's staying at home. She's looking after our little man a bit more. She's got a little bit of spare time when he goes to bed. So... Um, She's been working on painting, so I hooked her up with this awesome, this awesome art set. I, I you know, I, I decked it out for her a little bit, and uh, so, so I did, I did do that quite well. You know, I got her a nice little. I didn't wrap it, um, but I, but I handed it to her, gave her a hug, gave her a kiss. I said, "Baby, here you go. Ten years in, well done." It's funny as well because we get on, we get on super well for ten years of marriage, right? I, you would assume that, uh, you would assume that there's a few big issues that just boil up. There's not. Like we're good. 
Uh, probably, <laughs> probably because I can be such a bitch sometimes, and uh, I'll have a chat to her about how I feel, and uh, go, sweetie, you know what? Like when you talk like that, it really hurts me a little bit. And she'll say, you need to harden up because you're 34. Um, and you should just know where I come from right now, like where I stand. I'm not as harsh as what my voice said. I go, it's just, but in fairness, what's difficult is when you speak to me with that aggression and when you speak to me with the words with which you do, uh, it, can you understand how I might be a little bit offended? Goes, no, honestly, you just need to get over it. So I do what like any, you know, it's going to say immature husband. I probably should stick to that. I do what any husband would do in that moment. I go, oh, well, well, I'm going to give you a taste of your own medicine. And I'll just start completely changing the way I talk. And um, she'll ask me a question. I'll just give her a cold answer, like no or yes or just the one word. But Jessie, she, she's, <laughs> she's so comfortable with it. So it just it makes it worse on me because she's the kind of person that when she writes a text message, she, I don't know where you guys stand on this, but she'll, she, she's quite happy with a one-letter response. Babe, I'll see you tonight. K, did you have a good day? Why? She's never just written why. I was exaggerating to make a point. Yes. Um, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make things a little bit more meaningful. Yeah. But anyway, we've spent more time on this, uh, this relationship topic than I was anticipating, but 10 years in, that was a, that was a victory. I remember standing in Jessie's kitchen at her mum's, mum and dad's house when I was, I must've been 22, I reckon. And her mum said, oh, yeah, it's so sweet that you guys get on now. I can't wait to see what you guys are like at your 10-year wedding anniversary. I was like, oh. So it's always been in my mind. I wonder what we will be like at our 10-year wedding anniversary. Truth is, it's the same. <laughs> we still get on We still get on better than we did then, I think, but from from my perspective anyway. She puts up with a lot of stuff as well. Like, um, So not only did she buy me a painting, but she, she bought me a gift voucher because I'm a 34-year-old guy who wants to start skateboarding. As you can see here, look at this. This is the new edition. It says pop at the bottom as well, which I thought was quite cool. So um, she's got me a painting and a, and a gift card to a skateboard, which is, I don't know, is 34-year-old too too old to uh, to be taking up skating? <laughs> it seems to be an age. I'm a big, one of the things that me and um, Alex Pang spoke about in the podcast the other day was that everyone needs, they need to have their play thing, their, their thing that they get out to take their mind off um, off work or whatever it is that they're putting their time on. For me, I get this, you know that bike path I always tell you about just across here? I, I usually run across it this morning, went out for a skate, the sun was out, the water was flat. It was just a beautiful 15, 20 minutes of my life. And um, yeah, I'm still I'm still struggling a little bit with the control and the direction and things like that, but it's a, uh, it's a work in progress. I've got this, so I, I used to skate a lot when I was younger, um, <clears throat> like year seven. I, I'm, I, year seven, I'm no, one of my mates tagged me in a post the other day, a little Asian dude who's, he's like 11 years old and he's a gun skater. I uh, I wish I could tell you his name and didn't have to just refer to him as like the, a little Asian dude, but um, he's, he was super inspiring. I was watching this guy and I was like, man, like it's incredible some of the moves that these guys can do and it made me sentimental about being a, uh, a 12-year-old kid and, and learning how to do a kickflip and an ollie and trying to impress the girls at school with my Converse shoes and my brand new skateboard with, um, you know, with the grip on top, which is my 12th birthday was was a pain in the ass for my skate shop owner because I found out that you could design the, uh, the the top of the skateboard. So usually you've got your black tape on top, your black grip, but this particular day I said, mate, like what can you get on top? And he goes, no, oh, you can get whatever you want. So I, I got this obnoxious color. It was like an orange and a pink and a black and a green. And it was a pain in the ass for the guy, but it looked it looked bloody good. So I've always had an appreciation. Ever since that point, I've had an appreciation for a good skateboard. So this is just my little cruiser, this one. 
The trucks are a little bit. Uh, I I think I I don't exactly know why they're like this, but the trucks on this this particular board they're quite loose. So you you sort of doing these ones down the road. But I went down a uh, like a, quite an insignificant hill yesterday, and the board started to get these little skate wobbles, uh, which is terrifying. Because I remember uh, living in WA. I would have been twelve. And I was going down, I was with a friend, Martin Locke was his name. I went to the top of this massive hill. And each week I'll just gradually try and go a little bit higher, a little bit higher. My mate, standard standard boy behavior, uh, he was there. So I thought, stuff it, I'm just going to go down from the very top. It's terrifying. I should never have done it. I got about halfway down this hill. The board just started shaking, shaking, shaking. All of a sudden just threw me off. I smacked my head so hard. Um... And, uh, you know, it was probably, as a 12-year-old kid, you're quite, you're quite durable. You bounce back up. I had a black eye for a couple of days, but it looked like I was a true skater. I think any skater who hasn't copped a black eye, I say this, I say this uh, with, the, with the full hope that I don't come off this board anytime soon. But um, I don't know. It, does, it, fits the, it fits the image a little bit. But you realize when you buy a thing like a skateboard, even at my age, that uh, it's nothing. It's one thing that your parents are never super happy to hear about, is it? Because I spoke to my mum yesterday, and uh, she said, oh, what are you doing? I said, hey, mum, I'm just down in Barwon Heads. I bought myself a skateboard. And she goes, oh, did you get yourself a stack hat? <laughs> Isn't it? Good old mum, 64, looking after a 34-year-old boy, making sure I'm wearing a stack hat. I said, hey, ma, you know what? It doesn't really fit the image that I'm going for. I'm going for more of a, uh, a cruisy beach. beach. Uh, I don't know, what is it? What would you call it? You don't see a bloke on a skateboard just going uh, 6K an hour with a stack hat and go, hey, he looks cool. <laughs> he looks like a cool unit. <laughs> Look at this guy go. So I'm sure you'll be seeing me and hearing me talk about that a little bit more over the next couple of months. But, um, you know, once I can start getting the hang of it, once I'm confident, I'm not going to get thrown off because the uh, the pace at which I'm trekking is probably faster than I should be. I'll, I'll start posting a few videos for you to see. But they, they, so I thought I was so excited about it that I thought I needed to. I'm going to incorporate that. That's the the Johnny Cash photo is usually the one that goes there. This Johnny Cash photo. But I thought you know what special day today. I'll put the um, I'll put the skateboard up the back because I had to share it with you. Um, and it also just it, it promotes that image of me just being a little bit cooler. Do you know what I mean? Like you see the fact I'm rocking a skateboard. You go, whoa, far out. He, he gets it, doesn't he? <laughs> Is that what you... <laughs> That's what I'm hoping you're thinking anyway. I could be completely wrong, but... Man, who says you can't be cool at 34? Look at Kanye. Look at, I was going to say, look at Kanye. He's not 34. Did you hear about... How's... So I was thinking... Um, uh, so Kanye, in my head, I thought he was married to Kim Kardashian. Did you think that? And I've since that point, I thought, hey, well done, Kanye. Like, good job. I, I, I think in that particular relationship, people look at Kanye like they look at me in my relationship. They look at Kanye and say, hey, you've done well for yourself. In that situation, I think with a person like Kim K, you know, those looks uh, and just that reputation, people love power, don't they? They love a bit of... Um, I don't know what you call it, but people look at someone like Kim and go, okay, well, she's clearly the prize in that relationship. And that's what happens in, in, in my relationship as well. But then I, I logged on to the news website this morning, good old good old CNN or Fox. She got a new boyfriend. What the heck's going on here? I had no idea. This is this is not this was news to me. So she's 41, and I think this gives guys hope a little bit. And I think it gives us a no, I shouldn't say us because I'm a married man not looking to date anyone <laughs> in particular. Um, but I, I should say it gives it gives single men hope because uh, if if Kim... So Kim K, she's 41. She's just started dating a 28-year-old. That Pete Davidson, apparently he's a comedian. It's also my uncle's name, which I find hilarious. I took a screenshot of it today. Um, 
I'm about to send it to my cousin Christy, Pete's daughter, just to go, hey, look at this. He's done well for himself. It's a little funny joke that I made. It's not it's not actually that funny now I say it out loud, so I might not send that text. But um it's it's strange as well. It's just so strange to What's strange to me more than anything is the fact that this chick got her reputation. I'm pretty sure from a porn video, she didn't she make some sex tape with a, a black dude, one of her ex-boyfriends? They posted that and that's how... Was she famous before that? Because the first I'd ever heard of Kim Kardashian was when one of my mates uh, got his laptop. It was about 2004. He goes, hey, Tyus, look at this. I go, whoa, whoa hang on a second. <laughs> what are you showing me here? He goes, that's Kim Kardashian. I go, okay, <laughs> I can't see her face. What are you talking? So anytime someone mentions Kim, I go, okay, so it's that chick from the video. I She has an incredible PR team because I, I remember as, as disappointed as I am myself, I saw it. I saw the video and uh, I thought, what, like, what's going on here? This poor woman. Like, how's she ever going to recover from this? Not not the actual act, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying how's she going to recover from what's taking place. I'm saying how's she going to recover on a, on a public scale? How's she going to be able to recover? Um, like, when people look at her, like, what if her mum saw this? Like, because once you've seen this particular... I'm pointing to my computer like it's on there right now. It's not on there, I can guarantee, in case Jesse has tuned in. I'm pointing to my computer because I think that's just where it was that I saw it. But I'm going to stop doing that because it's making me... Uh, Look as though I'm I'm up to mischief in my spare time, but how how is it that a chick like that can can have a video like that displayed all around the world and then all of a sudden people look at her and still go oh my god it's Kim Kardashian she's so classy <laughs> once you once you've been um, what do you say just once you've been seen in in some of those in some of those positions you go ah uh, that's a that's a vulnerable position to put yourself in both. Uh, there's a lot of puns or there's a lot of play on words taking place here, which I'm not meaning. But essentially what I'm trying to say is on a public scale, when she goes back out in public, how is it that she's still so highly regarded? I'm glad she is. I mean, I'm happy for her, but it just I guess it shows the power of a good PR team. If you've got a really good PR team, there's a lot that you can get away with. Because like, if you were a, at the moment, if you're a white bloke in Hollywood, uh, the timing is everything, obviously. If you're a white bloke in Hollywood and, and you post a video of yourself with some young glamour, um, I, I feel like you're going to get cancelled real quick. Whereas someone like Kim K, she can post that video and everyone goes, oh my God, isn't she beautiful? Look at, like, her flexibility is incredible. <laughs> anyway, so she started dating a bloke 13 years younger, which is interesting to me as well because it's I, it's weird for women, I think. It's, it's a really strange thing for women because, and for guys, I guess, because I think guys... I think guys generally like to date younger women. I'm pretty sure. I feel like that's true for me, like a lot of friends that I have as well. My wife's three and a half years younger than me. Um, so I think it's more normal for a guy to date a younger woman or more common for a guy to date a younger woman than it is for a woman to date a younger man. In fact, it's cool for a lot of women. I think like if you're 23 and you're going out with a 28-year-old, like your friends, I'm pretty sure they go, oh my God, like look at Sarah. She's got a 28-year-old boyfriend and he's... Like, he's really advanced. <laughs> you know, he's got a full-time job at all. He's not just studying. And then uh, it's just interesting. It's a significant reverse in age. And and it gives blokes a lot of confidence as well. I don't know Pete Davidson, but I don't reckon he's the best-looking unit. I mean, he looks like he's got a bit of character, which I like. But personality is everything, isn't it? Personal. It's a... Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm just... I'm happy for Pete Davidson. I mean, I guess I'm happy for Kim. I feel sad for Kanye, though. Like, once you've dated Kim, where do you go from there? You know what I mean? On a pup, maybe that's just me being, uh, maybe that's me being a little bit vain, because I guess, where do you go from, I mean, she's a super pretty woman, but I think there's heaps of pretty women out there. Maybe I'm saying that in terms of just him being recognized for who he's dating. 
I'm sure we would do great. It's Kanye West with those music, with with, with his rhymes. <laughs> look at me trying to talk about the rap industry. I'm actually, um, I've, I've, it's sort of, it's more an embarrassment to myself than anyone else. But hey, Kim, Pete, well done. If it is true and this relationship is official, Pete, thank you for the confidence boost you've given both myself and a lot of my friends. It's a good thing to see. I don't want you to be put down by that. Look at me speaking to him like he listens to this podcast. Do you reckon, do you reckon Pete David to listen to the Pop Culture Podcast? I'm guessing not. But uh, hey, in case in case he ever goes back through the archives, Pete, respect. You know what I mean? I hope things worked out for you. It's uh... And where does that conversation even start? Like where, where do these people meet? I always think with a person with a platform that someone like Kim Kardashian has, uh, like when everybody knows who you are, it would be it'd be really hard to feel like you're not just being used for for your status. It'd be really hard for Pete to go into that room because you can't play it cool and be like, "Hey, hey, doing what's your name?" Because you know her name's Kim Kardashian. She's like, "What do you do with yourself?" Uh, I'm famous for nothing. <laughs> Everyone knows she's famous just for being a babe releasing a sex tape. And uh, I guess she was the inspiration for like the YouTube vloggers, wasn't she? If the Kardashians could go around their house and uh, you know the, the the least good looking sister could make herself hot, then surely other people could uh, do something like that with their own. I'm not sure. I don't know. I really don't. I'm freestyling here. I'm spitballing. But uh, but it'd just be hard to initiate that conversation. And I think the thing that screams that this Pete Davidson must be able to hold his nerve is because it's not just a, it's not just a going into a, a random bar, meeting a random girl, and, and having the confidence to be able to carry that conversation through to the end. It's going into a, it's going into a situation, meeting one of the most famous women in the world, knowing exactly who she is, trying to have a normal conversation despite the fact she's thirteen years older than you, and uh, and then seal the deal, I guess, in a relationship sense. Well done. That's that's credit. I reckon he's read that book, The Game. Do you remember? Do you remember that book from like two? I don't know if it was like two thousand and three. That little skinny bald guy came out and uh, and started telling you how it was that you could you could pick up chicks. And uh, I remember going into a bookstore one day and going uh, going to the uh, to the lady at the counter. I was like, Hey, I'm just looking for a book called The Game, thinking she would have no idea what it was or what it meant or what it was used for. And she just looked at me and went like this. I go, come on, I need some help. I need some, you know, I'm 19 years old at the time. I, I just need to make sure that what I'm working with is okay. And then I saw uh, I saw this guy who wrote the book. I can't remember his name. And he was on he was on a, a talk show with, oh, it was like an, oh, Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba. And this guy, he was just putting his, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether it actually paid off. But I thought, I thought that if I read the book, I'd be like Russell Brand in his heyday when he was uh, when he was probably using too many drugs. And, and you know, eh, the life that he was living wouldn't have been good for the married man that he is right now. But I tell you what, he had some swagger. One of my favorite things to look at on YouTube is just Russell Brand, Brand flirting with women and convincing myself that I had a similar technique back when I was single. <laughs> because there's seriously, there was a bloke that I used to work with in South Australia. Not a good looking bloke. I'm not going to name him because I feel bad, but not a good looking bloke. But charisma, just oozing charisma, oozing charisma. And some of the, some. so we used to work at a shop together and some of the women that would come into the store, glamours, would be, it was it was embarrassing. They were, they were getting all blushy in front of him. You could just see he was working on, he was just—he had something to offer. So, hey, fellas, if you're not good looking, I don't think that matters. I'm, I'm pretty sure it doesn't matter. Well, look at Pete Davidson. You tell me he's good looking. Tell me that Kim Kardashian couldn't get a better looking bloke than that. It's all about, I think it's all about perspective. It's all about confidence. Um, this, is, this is a motto that I've been going for for a, for a long, long time. But 
even someone like Tiger Wood, that's a bad example because he was he was caught with prostitutes, wasn't he? That wasn't a and he was married, so he was breaking a, a number of rules. So I shouldn't use him as an example. But um, actually, speaking of Tiger, did you see he's back in business? Tiger's had a had a bloody crazy couple of years. It's been like ten years now, hasn't it? And speaking of a PR team, like Tiger is. I think he's he's been on the full hero's journey. He seems to be back. He's a respected figure on the golf scene again, isn't he? Like you think about Tiger Woods and all of a sudden I like there was a while there where I thought of Tiger and I just thought a bloke who had been cancelled, he was out of the game, he was a drug addict, he was an alcoholic. That was what CNN was telling me. Should have known better than to trust what they were saying, but he um he he's he's back in business just 3 months ago. More news. He broke his leg in a car accident and then recently he just posted a video of himself um, just whacking a golf ball down a fairway, which I've heard a lot of golf commentators say was 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 quite an impressive whack. Which I know is not the technical term for a golf, uh, a, you know, a golf ball hitter <laughs> for a driver. But um, he amazes me actually because it was here in Melbourne where things sort of unraveled. He was here playing in the Australian Open for for golf back in I want to say like 2012, 2013, and he was staying at the Crown Casino, which was which is sort of like prime residence here in the CBD. And, uh, and and he got caught because all these prostitutes just kept coming up to his room and coming back down. And they're like, hang on a second, shouldn't he be resting? He's in between tournaments. He's just had the qualification room around today. Now he should be up there recovering. We've had, you know, a black girl, white girl, Chinese girl, and three other chicks just walk up there and come down sweating. Like, <laughs> something's going on. And um, he got he got caught. And I remember his life just, it seemed to unravel. It seemed to unravel. But then I watched this documentary about him. I can't remember what it was called, but it was on Binge if you want to check it out. Really interesting documentary. Um, it's he had a he had a rough journey. It's interesting just looking at the way that childhood plays an impact on the way that you grow up. But he it almost they they painted him almost like a sociopath in the sense that he could just he could just switch on and off his emotions. I think that's what a sociopath is, isn't it? Someone who just doesn't quite connect with their emotions in a real healthy way. I think that they have no appreciation or no feelings about what another person is feeling. I think. So I think in a golf context, that's really helpful because regardless of how far down you are, regardless of how stressed you are, how nervous you are, or how uptight you are, if you've got the ability just to disconnect your emotions, well, surely that's helpful for your putting. (laughs) Surely that helps when you're trying to line up a four-foot putt on a slight angle, and uh, usually your hands would get the shake. If you've got the ability to just turn off emotionally, then um, that shake stops, and hopefully you sink the putt, or at least get it within a couple of inches of the hole to confirm at least a bogey. Uh, but, But he's back. He's back. I remember I was just thinking before I started this, like, isn't it amazing what a PR team can do? It worked for Kim. It worked for Tiger. Because Tiger now, in my mind, I'm not sure if he's I'm not sure if he's as good as he was. I don't think he was as good as he was back in like 2005, 2006. But I mean he's still doing pretty well. He's won a master since he since he returned. I thought last I heard he was just in rehab and now he's winning golf tournaments again and now he's come back from a broken leg. So he's just the bloke that can't be stopped, is is the understanding that I have. So if you're uh, if you're out there and you've been uh, you've been shamed, you've been shunned, find out about the PR team for Kim. Find out about the the PR team for Tiger, and um, you know hopefully we'll see the great return. Hopefully we'll see the great return of you, just like we've seen the great the great return of these guys. That speaking speaking of great return, did you guys see this Peng Shui chick? So. I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit out of out of the loop with exactly what happened. I heard there was a Chinese tennis star, three-time Olympian, who who just went MIA, like she disappeared. Obviously, we we know that you know if you upset the Chinese government, things get a little bit sketchy. 
you don't need to be a genius to realize that now. These communist countries, are, they're quite brutal with the way that they are, they approach law. I mean, I got a little taste of it just through the Victorian government, the last cut. That's, that's hyperbole I just used there. Everyone who likes Dan Andrews is going, you don't know what communism is. We're nowhere near our goal yet. But, but Peng Shui, so apparently on social media a few weeks ago, she let us know that the, the former vice premier, I'm not 100% sure what that is. Like, if that's just what, uh, is that like the... Uh, the bloke who runs a province over there. I don't know, but it was a man of uh, it was a man of authority. It was a man of seniority in the Chinese government. Was was accused by this Peng Shui of of, of of making her have sex with him at his house. And all of a sudden, so she posted that publicly, and then she just disappeared for three weeks. And everyone was like, "Oh shit, where's Peng? Where's where's what's Peng doing?" And it was a really uh, it was a really rough. It was a really rough couple of weeks for uh, for everyone involved. The the tennis, well, I think where is Peng was trending on where's Peng Shui was trending on social media, which was interesting. So, uh, just a couple of days ago, it came out that she's okay. She's um, now it was a very uh, it was a very propaganda style message. It was as though uh, you just know with a message like this, when a chick disappears for three weeks because she's she's threatened a former member of government in in China. Things aren't just what they seem on surface. So she's come out with like a, a very nice, hey, you know, everything's okay. We're all doing well. Um, I'm back. There's nothing to worry about. Um, yeah, we've got full respect for the government. Blah, 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 blah. You know, you know, something's a little bit out of whack there. So um, anyway, essentially, I'm glad she's back. But isn't that a scary world to live in? The fact that okay, we've got these social media platforms where you you can say uh, within reason, you can you can put your opinions out there as long as it's completely in line with what the uh, <laughs> the massive social media companies are being paid off to allow. But it's crazy that even in 2021, a, a relatively, you'd think progressive times, you, well, we say that, but I'm not convinced that's true anymore. We say progressive times, but I'm pretty sure there's a prison camp right now running in for the Uyghur Muslims in China, isn't there? And everyone just, we go, oh, you know what, I'm not I'm not super interested in talking about that because it's, it's hard as well because you feel like just your, your contribution to that situation is going to do absolutely nothing. So it's okay to get all worked up about what you're passionate about, but unless, with issues like that, unless there's hundreds of thousands of people people who decide to boycott it or decide to um, take their money away from it, you don't feel like you're making a big difference. So I went, just over the weekend, I went and stayed with uh, with a, a couple friend of ours, uh, Joash, great man, and he's so intentional with, with the way he uses his time and where he puts his money. And um, So for example, he, he doesn't use Spotify anymore because last year in the lead up to the election, some podcasts which were um, you know being posted were removed because they weren't in favor of sort of the, the mainstream view that Spotify had towards the election. And he's like, all right, I'm not using Spotify then. And then Netflix, apparently last year or earlier this year, there was some controversy about them. There was, was it like a child, it was almost like a child porn. I'm not sure if it was specifically child porn. I don't know if that's what it was, but it was something which leaned a little bit too close to the idea of child porn for our liking. Uh, and that was posted on Netflix. And he was like, all right, I'm not using Netflix. And then he's like, I'm not using Nike. I'm not using iPhone. I'm not using any of this stuff because like whether there's child slavery involved. I'm like, holy crap. Like it's just such commitment. It's so good because I said to him, I was like, dude, but yeah, but your withdrawal from, from that particular organization is going to make zero difference. He's like, yeah, but I guess that's how all revolutions start. Isn't it like someone has to stand up? Like there has to be one person who's got the vision to believe it. And I was like, hang on, that's a really good point. So now I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back and, and watch the true cost on uh, Netflix and, you know, just get my mind refreshed and reset because man, I'm wearing a pair of Nikes right now. 
And um, when you when you spend a weekend with a bloke like that, there's only so many pairs of Nikes that you can have in your cupboard before you feel super guilty, before you feel a little bit naughty, before, you know, you, you should start asking a couple of questions. So um, I'm not sure how I got to talking about shoes. Uh, we're talking about Peng Shui. We're talking about the Chinese government. We're talking about social media. Anyway, that was essentially what I wanted to say about that. But I'm glad she's okay. I'm glad she's okay. I'm not sure how a story about Peng Shui just got me to the point that I'm not going to be wearing Nikes anymore. Um, and, and my concerns about how much of an impact that's actually going to have on the company of Nike. I'm going to guess very little. Based on the fact I probably buy one pair of Nike shoes each year valued at $80 because I usually go to the discount rack. Um, I'm, I've got a feeling that's not going to make a big, uh, a huge big impact. But we'll, <laughs> we'll watch this space. You know, man, if I needed some skateboard Nike, man, I'm not coming to you anymore. Skateboard shoes is what I was trying to say. Anyway, I'm, I feel like I'm not really landing my threats. And nor should I, because I don't really know what I'm talking about. I don't even know if slave labor is used with Nike anymore. See, speaking of PR, do you know, like we don't know anymore whether PR is being used to allow Nike, like is Nike still using slave labor? Because we often see, it's like when you look at a cereal box and it says, hey, this, this cereal contains iron. And you're like, oh, awesome, that must be good for me. Then you read the back, it's like, no, 9% sugar. Um, there's no nutritional value in this packet of cereal at all. In fact, there's more nutrition in the cardboard. And then you look at a pair of shoes like Nike, and it's like, uh, we uh, money going towards like such and such. You go, oh, look, they're doing their part. But meanwhile, they've got like nets around their Nike headquarters in China because the people who are making the shoes are jumping out. I think I've just confused Nike with iPhone. But essentially, what I'm trying to say is I need to do a little bit of research as to where I put my money because um i don't know who to listen to anymore and who's telling the truth because things like see like i looked at cnn this morning right i don't know why i do it to myself i said to a mate the other day sometimes i just look at people's pages to trigger myself just to get myself a little worked up a little upset it's not a healthy thing to do and uh cnn they had an article which was called is there anything more frightening than a white man who's angry in america and i was like you know what you know what I think is more frightening than a white man who's angry in America? I think the fact that a country, now whether or not this is true, a country can vote in a white man who has dementia to lead their <laughs> the biggest country in the free world. That's pretty scary. But isn't that crazy? Like, can you imagine if that word white was swapped with black? Like, is there anything more scary than a black man who's angry in America? That is a racist comment, is it? Is it if, if that is not racist, I misunderstand what racist means. Like, I'm happy for it to be asked as long as it's consistent. Like, is there anything more scary than that? I don't know. For me, there is. Like, I'm terrified of sharks. Like, I reckon that would be scarier. If I was in the water and I saw a shark which was three meters long, the last thing I would be thinking is, I'm so glad there's not a white man near me right now who's angry. In fact, I wish there was an angry white man near me in that particular situation because um, I just, I feel like, I'm just writing that down because I feel like that's got a little bit of a joke idea. White man, white shark. That's going to confuse me later. I'm not going to know what that means. But I don't know. There's plenty of situations when you think about that where a white man would actually not be the scariest. So what about if you were tied to a train track and a train was coming and there was no escape? That would be terrifying. If I was given the option to be in the water, if, if I was given the option to be in a swimming pool with a three-meter uh, bull shark... Or to sit down for a coffee with an angry white man and try and solve his issues. 100% I sit down with an angry white man and solve his issues. <laughs> like, that's a silly question now I've realised it. But but what I think my big issue is, is it's just the fact that you can ask that question. But, like, but you can't sit down and say, um, 
Is there anything more scary than a black man who's angry? Is there anything more scary than a China man who's angry? What is that? That's a double standard. Come on, CNN. I know you're not known for your honesty. I know you're known for your, your ridiculous views. Look at me speaking to CNN like they listen to my podcast. So right now, I've assumed that Pete Davidson, Kim Kardashian's 13-year-old, 13-year-old boy, uh, 13, uh, her boyfriend who's 13 years younger than her is listening to this podcast. And I've also just assumed that CNN are tuning in. But hey, what am I saying? We're building a foundation. So if in the future you look back at this, come on, CNN, get your get your act together is, is essentially what I'm trying to say. But um, I don't know, those big organizations, like, they're just, they're hard to trust. And that's the beauty with social media as well. Some In some regards, like sometimes you get a true taste of, of, of just the power of public perception. Like here in Australia the other day, this is insane. In fact, Google this, or go to YouTube and type this in, Sunrise, it's a morning TV show here, how to deal with unvaccinated family members this Christmas. It was the most horrific news article that I ever seen. It went for about eight minutes and... Uh, essentially it was just telling the audience now uh, guys you're going to be facing these unvaccinated family members this christmas here's how you deal with these people now if you've got a leper coming to your family christmas here make sure you're sitting in a different room and just have them connected to skype from the lounge room while you guys are in the kitchen because it's just too dangerous (laughs) they didn't say that but what was so beautiful to see they've got their comments turned off obviously because they're a bunch of pussies and they know that they're in the wrong but last time i checked it had uh it had 71 likes Actually, no, I think it had 100 likes, and it's had like maybe 15 or 17,000 dislikes. It was, uh, it was just absurd. It was just absurd. So you see that on social media, on YouTube, and you go, all oh, right. Like, not everyone's lost their mind. It's beautiful to see. And then you see the scenes of um, the comment section of the, <laughs> of the White House Instagram. So have a look at this. Go to the, my friend, the champ, sent me this the other day. He sent me a photo from the White House's official Instagram page, with like Christmas, it had like a Christmassy thing and uh, Christmas decorations, and in it it said, "Hey, be uh, kids, get double vaccinated by Christmas if you go get your first one today." And it had thirty thousand comments below it, and everyone's just saying like, "No thanks, Brandon. Yeah, I'll be a no. It'll be a no for me." I scrolled through for about 10, 15 minutes just to just to see. Obviously, I couldn't get through all thirty thousand comments in such a quick time, and I don't know how the algorithm of those comments was set up. But essentially, I looked at those comments and I thought, "All right." There was a 99.9% success rate of everyone looking at the White House and going, this is bullcrap. So this is how it makes it hard for me to believe that the US election was actually legitimate. When you see 99.9% of people look at a comment like that and go, hey, you know what? First of all, get stuff to the president. Second of all, I'm not following your advice. Third of all, let's go Brandon. You go, hang on a sec. Like, is is this 100% legit? But it just gives me, it gives me so much hope. It gives me so much hope for... I don't know. It just makes me love people again. Because you forget, if you just tune into the news too frequently, and the news is where you get all your information from, you forget about the fact that there are a lot of people out there who completely disagree with those mainstream stories that are just going just going on and on and on. And uh, I don't know. It just gives me a little bit of hope. So that was, a, that was a good news story for me. That was a good news story for me. If you haven't seen either of those, make sure you go and give that Sunrise story a dislike and report it. I did, just because it's ridiculous. And then make sure you also go and uh, and just appreciate the White House. If they haven't taken this photo down right now, I just don't understand. They, knew it, they need to at least deactivate their comments because if they don't deactivate their comments, like the whole world can see, or anyone who takes the time to look, can see the truth about what the public perception is on these mandates. So... Anyway, watch this space. Watch this space. What an interesting time it's been to be alive. Um, like, there's certain things that make it an interesting time to be alive, and uh, none more so than um, it's. 
Health is an interesting topic, right? Like for me, I'm fascinated in health and we've been speaking about it here. Oh, look at me, like I've got a team. I've been speaking about it here fairly frequently over the last couple of months because people just assume that you can inject health, like a vaccine is an injection of health and they don't want to talk about any nutrition. They don't want to talk about any exercise. They don't want to talk about whether they're overweight because that's offensive and it's dangerous to fat shame and blah, blah, blah. And uh, and then we start getting confused. So do you remember Adele? So like she's still a huge, she's still like a huge success in the world of music. But Adele lost a heap of weight and looked fantastic. And there's so many people who look at Adele now and they're like, oh, she used to be one of us. It's not, oh my gosh. Like look at what Adele has just done for her own health. It's, oh my gosh, she used to be overweight like me. And now she's not overweight like me and I just can't relate to her anymore. It would have just been nice to have someone like that that I could relate to. I thought, hang on. Like, why is it that that the standards, like, why is it the public perception of what is beautiful has to change to, to suit what you look like? Like, why, if you're, if you're worried about looking beautiful to public, why not try and adjust your image to what the public think is beautiful? You can't just get angry at the fact that some uh, famous singer has lost all this weight, and as a result, people think she's more attractive, which she is, but, uh, and then just get angry at the public for not thinking you're beautiful. Because here's the thing. I was having a look on Instagram the other day, and there's these plus-size models who are who are severely obese, morbidly obese. And I have nothing against these people. I actually, like, I, to me, I don't care if you're fat, skinny, black, brown, yellow, whatever. What I do care about is just when we start making up these lies about what it is that's healthy. So if you're if you're a, a like a chain smoker, you smoke 50 cigarettes a day, and you have done for 20 years, and you come to me and say, "Hey, don't talk about how unhealthy it is because it's really offensive to me and the struggle that I'm going through." I go, "Hang on a second. Like, are we dealing in fact or are we dealing in fiction? Because the truth is." what you're doing is not healthy it's not the best option for your lifestyle it's not good for your skin it's not good for your lungs it's not good for your heart there's a build up of tar it just makes it difficult for for your body to function as effectively as it could just like just like anything like if you're sitting down all day every day it's not great for your back it's not great for your strength it's not great for your legs it's just not great for any part of your body so there should be no difference like if you're sitting down all you're eating is refined sugar all day all you eat is cake surely we know by now that's not a great health option it's not going to it's not going to be great if you if you're trying to bulk at the gym you know especially trying to gain any healthy muscle mass it's not going to be great if you're trying to avoid diabetes i heard the other day that from like 1970 the the incidence of diabetes has just shot up like 500 percent. i might have made that set up but it was significant that makes me think that the way that we're living is obviously uh it's a little bit out of whack with the way that nature intended and so um, we need to call this out. We need to point it out because if our goal is health, if our goal is to be able to look after the way we look, look after the way we feel, and people who are doing that can give us some really helpful, practical solutions on what it is that we need to do to make sure that we're giving ourselves the best chance to live like that, tell me. I want to know that. So Adele, well done. Anyone who's upset at Adele for losing weight, come on now. I think that's a perspective thing, isn't it? I'm not sure. I speak like I know, but I just I thought she looked fantastic. I thought she looked fantastic. It was interesting the other day here as well. So funny. I'm so glad I haven't spoken about COVID at all today. But for the last minute, I'll give you a little taste test of what happened this week. So for the last month, uh, we've been aiming as Victorians to try and hit this 80%, uh, sorry, 90% vaccination rate. But what's so funny is for that whole month, anyone who's um, anyone could go into any retail store. But now we've hit 90% double vax. You try and go into a retail store here in Victoria, and they say, hey, we need to make sure you're double vax before you can come in here. But you go, hang on a second. We've just got to 90% uh, double vaccination rate. And I haven't been checked at all the whole time. They go, ah, 
that this is science, you just need to do it. So I went into a shop called Savers here. I'm not sure if it's like an international store, but essentially it's just like a massive op shop with secondhand books and secondhand clothes and whatever else you want. It's got literally everything. It's just all secondhand. And there, I reckon 80% of the people in there were morbidly obese. I don't know why. It could just have something to do with, I don't know. I don't know what it had to do with, but there was a lot of people in there who were severely overweight. I thought, isn't it interesting that, that we're, we're, as long as you're double vax, we deem you healthy. You can come in here. But I reckon the healthiest people in there were people with like a relatively standard body mass index, someone who exercises, someone who eats well, doesn't smoke. It's, you know, I don't know. Anyway, what am I trying to say? I'm not sure. I've been trying to figure it out for the whole podcast. But anyway, I guess in a punchline, I, you can't inject health, I don't think. That's my perspective anyway. But what do I know? I've been wrong before. I'm sure I'll be wrong again. So let's find out together. Anyway, I've been speaking for an hour, which as we say every week is more than enough time. You have a great week. If you haven't seen this on YouTube yet, go and have a look because the eight views that I'm getting doesn't, in fact, I think some of them only had three. So um, go and have a look. Uh, hit subscribe if you want to. Otherwise, just uh, listen to this. Chances are you haven't listened this far though because my mate told me everyone loses interest after five minutes, which was hurtful. That's enough from me. See you all next week. All right, peace.